A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another exciting episode of Greek Spired. I'm your host, Nicholas, and today we have an extremely creative guest on the show. He comes from a very well-known Greek family and has created one of Instagram's most successful and funny meme pages. It's definitely one of my favorite social media accounts with its spot-on satire of many different groups of people. A very warm welcome to the super creative Andreas Metaxa. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. I mean, I, I've been love the applause. <laughs> studio goes wild. I've uh, it's authentic. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. You see my my studio around here. It's like it's packed with super slutty people. Um, good to know. Good to know. I've I've been following your uh, your meme for a few years and um, very impressed by the growth that you have uh, assembled and also the the business dealings that you now are doing. And but if we just go back um, from the beginning, mm-hmm. if you can tell us a bit of the background, like. What is the story behind Super Snake? How did it come to life? Yeah, um, and it's it's a very random story. Um, it didn't start with with any particular intention. There was no um, master plan, business plan, any of that stuff. It started in a very harmless and fun way. I was um, having dinner with friends in London, and we were talking about Instagram and memes, and we were drinking a lot of wine. And I think my friend from across from me was saying that if he had a meme page, it would be funnier than mine. Um, and I was actually sat with a Greek friend of mine next to me. And, uh, and we kind of both looked at each other and we were like, we would do a better page than yours. Mm. And, and he said, and him and his friend said, no, we'd do a better page than yours. So kind of both sets decided the next day to start Instagram pages. And then we basically set like a three month deadline. Whoever had the most followers by the end of the three months, <laughs> One and the other group had to buy them dinner um, at somewhere extravagant, and um, yeah, so we so we started the page the next day with with my Greek friend, and he, um, you know, like we, at the start it was fun and harmless, and we were posting, and then I think I started taking it really seriously, and he couldn't match that energy, 
And and I, I remember I had a conversation quite early on with him. I was like, look, right now this is a joke and we have 20 followers, but I, th- I really enjoy doing this. And I said, we've got to have this conversation now because we can't have the conversation when we have 100,000 followers or something because then it's a whole different thing. And he said, yeah, like you go for it and you continue to do it and I'm out. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I continued to post and obviously won the bet. And... Um, yeah, and that's how it started. So it was, it, it was it was a very kind of harmless intention at the start, and just something that I just decided to double down on and put a lot of effort into, and and then it just I realized that I was good at it, and I realized that it made me happy, um, and I just continued. Where did the name come from? Super. The name snake. is very random. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very random. I mean, as people probably know, when you're starting an Instagram page, it's very difficult to find like an authentic handle that hasn't been taken. Um, so, so that was one consideration. <laughs> and then I, I don't know when I was, when I was thinking about the name, I was like, to me, somebody that, cause I, I kind of decided that I was going to talk about like, you know, high society gossip, like making fun of the stuff that I was already kind of making fun of with friends for years. Like I was always like kind of that court jester at the table that was doing impressions and kind of like recounting Coachella or whatever to, to the group. Um, so that was already the intention. And then I was like, okay, a snake is someone that talks behind your back. And so I think I decided on the name Society Snake, and that was taken. Um, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no. And then I was like thinking of all these different variations with snake. And then I, I came up with Slutty Snake. And I was like, okay, that's the name. Type it in, taken. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I was Slutty Snake <laughs> taken. And then I just thought to myself, like, oh, I love the alliteration of the Slutty and the Snake. Let's put another S word in there. And then Super came into my mind, and I was like, oh, it's perfect. Super Slutty Snake, Triple S, it's got a ring to it, and it wasn't taken. And and that's what happened. And I've now since dropped the Slutty part, which I can explain maybe later in the show, just for business reasons. But um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's the reason. I mean, you mentioned that you've been making fun of this, this scene you know, for, for years, and... Um... Mm how would you describe the scene and and the groups there are so many groups within the scene you have the oligarchs you have the models yeah. you have the the fake shamans i mean it's it's hilarious you're, you're covering a wide range group of people and um so a question that i have is because this is also transforming with over time um the the fake shamans is you know really now becoming or it has been the last two years where you see a lot of people wanting to uh you know, be the spiritual guides of universe to pick up girls. But how, how have you seen it transformed over the years and where do you see that heading as well? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, in answer to your first question, like what is the scene? I, the way I summarize it is it's, um, I call it the party circuit. So it's basically like um, a schedule of events around the world that are centered around mainly cultural stuff but it could be sport so you've got you know music events film events um fashion events um and then you've got uh you know different sporting events like the grand prix or like the world cup for instance Mm. in in qatar any excuse for rich uh jet setting beautiful people to go and party like even more than they already do in their home cities um and so yeah that's what i mean i call it the party circuit but it's it's it is it's an incredible group of people because you're uniting people from across the globe that have kind of a singular intention to like go and have fun and party mm-hmm. and meet people and hook up and whatever um, regardless of age um, because you you know you'll find 
70, 80 year old men socializing in the same zone that their 20 year old counterparts are doing or and maybe and maybe that's stuff that they were doing 60 years before like maybe they were going to the Grand Prix 60 years before mm. um, you kind of never I mean some people do grow out of it but I think you'll always inevitably find yourself going back to uh, a music event or going back to a fashion week or going back to something um, so it's this it's this I call it like a pil- like a party pilgrimage and it's these people are just traveling around the globe non-stop there's always something happening pretty much every single I wouldn't say every week, but every month, there's definitely something happening. And these people just aimlessly travel the globe partying the whole time. So that's the kind of the main focus mm-hmm. of my content. Um, and, then, and then how have I seen it develop? Um, I don't know. I think you see, you see different, different types of characters coming in and out. So, I mean, when I started going out, um, when I started traveling to go out when I was like 18, 19, um, there were no shamans, like fake shamans, <laughs> as I call them. Like I coined the term, yeah. and it's because I, I never saw it. I mean, it was it was a whole different scene back then. It was very, um, you know, everyone was wet, dra- dressed in like Dolce Gabbana and, and Montclair, and it was very like show off and and H belts and Dolce Gabbana plaques and mm. True Religion jeans and all of that stuff. It was a different scene, so I think the shaman stuff would have been too much of a clash it didn't work but now that we've kind of got this like boho chic uh, party calendar where like mykonos and ibiza lead the way and they're both kind of like boho chic tribal mm-hmm. spiritual blah 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 um you found that there's like been a rise of these type of people that obviously kind of exploit the nature of the scene to get what they want um and when i say fake shaman i mean people that are spiritual but don't aren't actually spiritual like mm-hmm. they're spiritual in order to get something out of somebody mm. as opposed to, cause I think very, genuinely spiritual people don't need to talk about it the whole time. don't need to dress in a stupid outfit and like wave chakra crystals in your face and do all that stuff. Um, and I know a lot of genuinely spiritual people that are great and I would call myself spiritual too, but I would never use my spirituality to get laid. Mm. Like it's just not, I just don't think that's fair. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the scene develops constantly, but the, I guess like the deep-rooted um, character types, stereotypes remain the same, but they're just in different disguises. I think that's what changes over time as society develops is, is just the dress and you know the nature of the partying and whatever. But, but at its core, it's pretty much the same. And when I discuss it with, with my dad, for instance, who's, who's in his late 80s, we, there's a lot of similarities to when he was going out back in the 50s um but obviously it's just very different um and then technology changes stuff as well so you've got you know mobile phones and all that stuff which which have really in my opinion and social media which has like ruined the social scene to an extent i know that i'm a beneficiary of social media so i shouldn't say that but um it's made partying less uh less wild and less um I don't know. I used to find when I was going out when I was 18, even when, I mean, we did have phones, obviously, but we had Blackberries. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. You could somebody yeah. from, from 20 meters away with a Blackberry and you could barely see anything. Yeah. So it, you still had that kind of like anonymity and the ability to like let loose. And I remember parties I used to go to but when I was 18, 19, 20, and I would see a lot of crazy stuff. And I don't see that as much anymore. People are very weary of people taking photos, especially celebrities and, and mm. you know, notorious well-known people. So yeah, the scene constantly develops. Are you part of that scene? Yeah, I mean, um, yes and no. I, I think I think I like to 
to have a good balance and I like to dip in and out and I think I've you know over time and with with you know growing up I've started to prioritize different things in my life um and it's funny when I have this conversation with people in, in real life they don't believe me because they I think they see about they see what I write about and the nature of the page but it's an alter ego it's not mm. it's not my real personality I'm actually very calm and relaxed and chilled and I'm not a big party guy I don't like you know do what I used to do when I was 25 and I've kind of changed and I, I really enjoy like health wellness traveling in order to actually see the world not just to like go to a rave and party and mm -hmm. feel shit the whole time can I swear so yes um <laughs> yeah so yeah I don't know I mean I am part of it because I think I, I think for my work I need to be part of it to an extent um I need to understand what's going on I need to to stay relevant and in touch with with what's happening mm. with you know the different characters that pop and pop pop on the scene and, and leave the scene and whatever because i think that's obviously what i'm writing about and that's my niche and i need to stay true to that but i see myself veering more into um you know the tv and film world and, and the acting world because that's something that i find I, th i think i get more fulfillment from and it means that i can play this character and be kind of in this bubble but i don't actually have to be like part of the scene like it can be on a film set rather than like me having to go to Ibiza and go to DC 10 or whatever you know it's like a it's a different way of doing it um but I think I'll always be part of it to an extent because I enjoy making fun of it so I've seen that you um up until quite recently you were anonymous and you were also only doing memes and you branched out I mean you're doing now videos you um you're showing your face and how come you made that transition? Um, I think I made I made the decision for the right reasons. I think, um, and I think I proved that by by running the account for almost four years without showing my face or mentioning my name. Or I, I I think I realized at some point that the way social media is developing is that people um, are looking for kind of like the personification of the of the meme account they want to attach a face and a name to it um and they buy into that more and i so i just think i, I developed as as the social media landscape develops and, and you'll see you know what what's happening with algorithms and stuff on instagram and and tiktok and whatever um you're kind of penalized for not showing your face you know <laughs> everything now is about reels it's about video and so i was like well, look i can either stay stagnant and keep doing memes and and a large percentage of my following wanted me to just do exactly the same thing and stay in my box and stay in my lane and and I was just getting I was just a bit unhappy and a bit unmotivated and um, and I wanted to shake things up and I've always dreamt of, of, of being an actor um, oh wow I tried to become an actor years ago and and pretty much my friends in London like bullied me out of it because they were just making fun of me every single day about the fact that I wanted to become an actor um, but I think as I got older and I developed a thicker skin, um, having th this Super Snake project as an excuse has enabled me to kind of like go back into that. And I really enjoy it. I love doing the comedy sketches. I'm working with amazingly talented comedians and comedy writers. And, you know, I have an agent in, in Hollywood now. Um, and I'm writing TV shows and I'm doing auditions for shows. Oh, nice. So I'm really happy. And I, and I see that more as the direction that I want to go into, like, writing stuff for TV, writing stuff for comedy sketches. And I'll still do the memes and stuff, but I would like to do, I'd like to feel that the memes come naturally and it's like, oh, 
I'm inspired by this, I'm going to make a meme about it, rather than me sitting there every single day thinking, I have to make something. Um, because I don't feel that way about the filming stuff. Like, I really thrive on it, and I enjoy the process, and so, yeah. Are you taking um, acting lessons at the moment? I've, ne I've never, I mean, I, I, took, I took an acting class years ago, and I didn't tell anyone about it <laughs> uh, in London. And, but it was just like a couple classes, but I've never, I've never like trained professionally as an actor. Um, I acted a lot at school. Um, and, and I remember being good at it at school, but I had no self-confidence at school. So I found it very difficult to have the courage to go on stage and perform. I was very nervous. And I think now as I've kind of become more comfortable in my own skin, um, I've really, I've really thrived in acting, and I think that when the camera's on me, I can kind of switch and, and, and turn into a different person. And, and I've always been like a performer, kind of the joker of the group, as I told you before. So it comes very natural to me. But I would like to do some training, of course. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to think that I'm just like the finished article without even doing an acting class. But I, and I would, I, I think I love the actual process of doing acting classes and learning and constantly like evolving in, in my craft. So that's definitely an intention. So, so tell us a bit more what, what you're actually then working on. Is it writing um, sketches through Sup uh, um, Super Snake or is it uh, another type of TV show uh, regarding the circuit, the party circuit, or w what is it that you are currently working yeah. on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, so there's, there's like different areas. Um, so I, I think it was like three, three years ago now, so it was quite a while ago actually. I started getting approached by people in Hollywood by producers, directors, um, agents, writers, whatever, saying, hey, you're really good at writing. Would you ever write something for TV? Um, and at the time, I said, yeah, I would love to, but I've never written a screenplay. I, I wouldn't know how to do it. Um, and they said, well, that's okay. You don't, need to have, you don't need to write a screenplay. You can write what's called a treatment. Um, and I wasn't really familiar with kind of the TV process at the time. And I said, okay, well, I can... I can try my hand at writing some treatments. So I started writing these different treatments. Um, and, and now in total, I've kind of written four, I guess. Um, and we even took one quite far with a couple of production companies in LA and we pitched it to, this was last year before the summer, we pitched it to Netflix and HBO and Amazon and Hulu and everybody. Um, it didn't get taken, but that was my first ever project. So I was like, okay, I wasn't discouraged. And I just wrote um, an animated show which I finished end of last year um, and we're now I'm working with really amazing partners with Adam Sandler's company Happy Madison uh -huh, okay. wow. um, and another production company yeah it's really exciting and we're um, we're developing that project so the way that that will go is uh, we'll, we're speaking with animation studios right now and we'll put something together and then we'll pitch that to Netflix so I'm always working on stuff in the background and that's I don't know if that's going to be as Andreas or as Super Snake. It kind of depends. I think the animated show is very much a Super Snake type thing. It's like very much based on the subject matter. So I think it will be associated with Super Snake. Um, and then with the acting that I'm doing, I don't know. You know, I think it could be as myself or as my alter ego. Who knows? I think it depends on the project. And then, and then I'm always working on these comedy sketches for the page. So um, when I say I'm working with these comedians, that's usually for content for, for social media. Um, so we meet, we write, and we film these little sketches, like one minute to 90 second long sketches, uh, which, is, which is really fun as well. What is the dream? Like, is it um, winning an Oscar 
or is it becoming a, a screenplay writer or um, yeah what is what is the the dream that you have with this yeah i mean i'm there's there's a ton um but i guess within tv and film the dream is to win an oscar um luckily you know a family member of mine won an oscar so oh. it's always been it's always something that i yeah my 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 sister's late husband um won an oscar um and it's for, always for, for acting or for um for so he he was a, a famous greek composer called vangelis okay um and he Fantastic. won an oscar for, for chariots of fire um ah, wow yeah so so it's something I, i remember seeing that oscar when i was a kid you know in his house and i i lived with him and my sister for 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 quite a, quite some time in athens and and i would always see that academy mm. award and i would and i i didn't know at the time how i could win an oscar but now that all this stuff has materialized i would love to win an oscar for a screenplay or for acting i don't know it could be either um and then i have other dreams outside of outside of kind of tv and film um but i think that's that's kind of a principal one i think i think the, the big dream is just to be able to do this in a, in a more sustainable way you know to be able to act perform write comedy um with a, a proper team around me in a better system because right now i'm a one-man band and it's very stressful um so that's that's my kind of immediate attention and intention is to just build a team make this as efficient as possible which means i can just focus on the things i want to focus on which is writing and performing and not all of the other stuff <laughs> which is <laughs> my time and i would i would love to talk more about your greek background and um yeah but before i go there i, I know that a lot of people um would love to get some insights into what it if you have could share some tips on how to build or start building a following because you know there are so many people out there that um want to make social media their their life and their business and obviously you're dependent on having obviously great content and a followership that that comes with that but yeah obviously in the beginning do you have any tips for for people who are trying to build a, a stronger following follower base in their social media accounts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be frank and honest that I think the landscape has changed a lot mm. in, in, the, in, the last, in the last couple of years um, in, a, in, a, in a negative way, in my opinion. Because I think that companies like Instagram especially, um, they want a particular type of content. They've ruined the algorithm. Um, they flood your feed with ads and suggested posts. I mean, the, the majority of what I see on my feed are posts from two, three years ago from people mm. that they want me to see ads and random stupid videos that I have mm. no intention of watching. That's my feed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think that it's very difficult now to start a page from scratch and make it something because you have to play by Instagram's rules. I think yeah. back when I started four years ago, I was able to post my memes. I was able to post my long captions and I grew in an organic way. But now if I was starting and I was writing and I was making memes and writing long captions, I would not grow at all. Mm. Unless um, you pay for it. It's really hard. Well, yeah, you yeah. Ha I mean, you ha that's, that's what I mean by playing the yeah. game. You've got to start boosting your posts and mm. paying for ads and, and working with the algorithm. Also, there's, there's a lot of restrictions now on Instagram. I, I, you know, if you're, if you're like a, what I call like a Disney creator, like someone that's like very PG and very safe mm. and doesn't use bad language and doesn't use any like, you know, difficult, like contentious themes, you're fine. But I'm not a Disney creator. Um, as you, as you can <laughs> yeah. probably tell from my content, um, and I and I never want to be. And I think it's very important for for 
all social media platforms to have diversity of content. We don't want everything to be a silly reel of someone dancing or, uh, you know, it's, I think it's important to have different types of content, but I don't think Instagram wants certain types of content to be promoted. Like my content doesn't get promoted. Mm. I remember um, also you, you posted, um, a meme about, um, Israelis or Jewish people that, and then someone complained and then Instagram shut, shut it down immediately. Oh, that I mean, happens to me all the time, yeah. but I, but it wasn't, it wasn't even specifically about, about Jewish people. It was just, uh, it was like a series that I do called the fuck boy series. So mm. I do like Mykonos fuck boy, Athens fuck boy, London fuck boy, whatever. Yeah. It's just like a type and then the female equivalent is like the basic bitch. And it's just a series that I do. And people were just like, I would kept on getting requests from people saying, do Tel Aviv, do Tel Aviv. <laughs> so I did Tel Aviv fuck boy. And it just got deleted instantly by Instagram for hate speech. Wow. Because I think as soon as you put like the word Israel, the word fuck, the word whatever next mm. to each other, the algorithm just like, oh, this is hate speech and just removed it. So I appealed um, and they reinstated the content and then it got deleted for a second time. And then I was like, what the hell is going on? So I re-uploaded it again and I just said, person from country that I cannot name, <laughs> starter pack. And that stayed up. So wow. it was just the, just the actual reference to Tel Aviv and Israel made it get deleted. And then sadly in the comments, it was just like, I remember I got a ton of comments on it, but it was just all of these people having Israel-Palestine fights Fight, in the comments. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus, wow, like what is, you know, what does it come to? Um, but yeah, I think, I think people, um, I know I've strayed from your question, I'll get back to it, but I think people um, are unable to in this day and age especially realize what satire is and what parody is and i think the algorithms have no idea what pass what parody and satire are um and i think that's a problem uh, i grew up on comedy that was that was really edgy and pushing the boundaries and, and i still love guys like Chappelle and um and ricky gervais and, and and you know jimmy carr and all these people that that aren't scared of being cancelled mm. um i mean there is a cancel just, culture possible Right massive yeah, yeah. And it, but it's it, it's impossible to operate like that on instagram unless you're already famous like i have this discussion all the time with comedian friends of mine that like way more established i have a good friend called andrew schultz who's who's like a massive uh comedian and podcaster and stand-up guy whatever and he said if i didn't have 1.7 million followers or whatever he's got he's like i wouldn't be able to get away with what i do hmm. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair that just because he has 1.7 million followers and I don't means that he can say more and get away with more than I can. Um, and he agrees. But it's just that's just the nature of how it is. And Instagram have even told me in the past, they're like, you're just not big enough to get away with stuff. Which I think is a shame yeah. because I have an audience that wants that type of stuff. And a lot, a lot of people kind of send me messages now and say, you've gone soft and you're a sellout. And it's not because I want to be. Um, it's just, it, and the way I put it to them is, look, do you want my page to exist or not? Because if I post the stuff I used to post, it will just get deleted. My account will go forever and I'm just, and I'm gone. Mm. You know, I exist on social media, like without, without my page, I'm, I'm nothing. It's like, you know, so it, it, it's, it's a really difficult one for me because I'm always trying to toe that line and I feel like I can't get away with much. I did a post recently about, um, it was my Greek pickup artist video and I have this fake, obviously fake character called Marios, who's like a Greek pickup artist. And he's very like classic Greek misogynist, old school, like women, you know, why you speak to them? Like that kind of Greek style. And I know a ton of people like that in Greece, like whatever, mm -hmm. I mean, they exist. And one of the lines in the video was, 
a silly line. I even put at hashtag parody in the caption. And the line was, women are the cheapest commodity, even cheaper than sand. <laughs> right? It's yeah. funny. It's a yeah, joke. It's, it, yeah. it's obviously like... It's I'm, satire. It's parody. I'm not, yeah. I'm, exactly. I, me, as Andreas, I'm not saying that women are the cheapest commodity yeah. and are cheaper than sand. The intention of that video was to make fun of guys like Marios yeah. who say stuff like that. That's the whole point of parody and satire. You're embodying the person that you're making fun of. And I, I, that's what I grew up with. But Instagram doesn't understand what that is. And the mm. post got deleted for hate speech. Um, and I just, I don't know how to work within those restrictions anymore. And that's, that's another reason why I'm moving away from social media more into the kind of TV and film realm. Because it's understood in, in those genres, like what or in those medi mediums of, of, of entertainment, like what satire is. I think it's a lot more widely accepted. Like Netflix get away with a lot. HBO get away with a lot. Mm. Because it's under the guise of, this is a parody show, or this is a TV show, this is scripted, like it's not real. But people haven't quite made that same um, conclusion with, with social media. Um, okay, so in answer to your, to your first question, like how do you build a following? It's really hard. I think you've got to be really good, obviously. You've got to find a niche that you're good at. Um, a lot of people ask me this advice when they have a business and I'm like, that's a really tough one. Like, oh, I run a dry cleaner business. How do I get my uh, you know, follow account to 100,000? <laughs> I'm like, well, nobody cares about your dry cleaning and your clothes. Like you've got to, like, you've got to just, you've got to make people laugh or it's, it, it usually falls into a few categories. Like you're either entertaining people or there's this like wanderlust, like travel type thing where the content's really beautiful mm -hmm. and well shot and well edited. Like you see a lot of accounts do well with animals and nature and travel and and that's great. And that's that's content that I enjoy as well. Um, so if you don't fall into either of those categories where you have like really beautiful content that people want to see or content that entertains people, you've got nothing. So you've got to figure out what which which side you're on. I mean, I'm definitely not on the wanderlust like travel side. Like, my content isn't beautiful. My content is there to entertain people. So I think, first of all, decide what you are, mm -hmm. and then and then really focus on consistency. And that's the hardest part. Like, I I found consistency a lot easier when I first started, but then four and a half years later, it's very hard to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and then also you've got a following of let's say you build up a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand followers. You've then got two hundred thousand mouths criticizing you every single day. I don't like this. I don't like that. Do more of this. Stop doing that. And it's like, so then it's this echo chamber of all these different opinions that you have to deal with every single day. And a lot of people can't handle it. And I know people in the game that have just given up because they can't deal with the critique. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that I can deal with it easily. Like I find it occasionally hard to deal with. Um, let's say there's 200 good comments and one bad one. I'll stare at the bad one. And I think that's just natural. That's just mm. human. So there's many different facets of how to how to become successful and how to build a big page. And I think it's mainly talent, consistency, and understanding the the parameters that you're working with, which is the restrictions of social media. Thank you for sharing. And um, yeah, I hope it wasn't very concise, but I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I want to touch a bit upon what you were mentioning earlier. Um, when you said that you you've always dreamt of going into acting, but you know you were discouraged basically of from 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 France. And um, I read a super yeah. interesting article uh, from a psychologist, Swedish I'm Swedish Swedish psychologist, who said that there is something 
in particular with male group pressure. If you're just hanging out with one male friend, different conversation versus if you're a group of people. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And we, especially we men, we have a tendency to kind of put ourselves down or put the self, our friends down as a joke yeah but obviously that that affects us and um and it it makes me very happy to hear that you know this is something that you've overcome and uh, and this podcast is you know obviously about inspiring people so how has that transition how did that happen like how did you actually build that confidence um to say you know fuck it i i want to become an actor fuck what you know other people say um because a lot of yeah. people they're struggling with Either, you know, they have low self-confidence, low self-esteem, they have a passion, they have a dream of doing X, but for whatever reason, they're not. So can you speak a bit about, you know, how you got the, the confidence and some advice and advice to people who want to follow their passion, but currently are not? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad you asked me the question because that's, that, that was a really difficult period for me, something that I had to overcome. I think... Um, I don't know, I'll give you a bit of background. At school, I was I was a very good student at school. I always got good grades, but I was bullied. Um, I had very low self-confidence. I was a bit overweight. I wasn't particularly good at sports. I wasn't, you know, popular with girls. And I was teased and bullied because of that. Um, so I think I was, I was trying to find myself. Um, and then I went to college and same issues. Like I went to a great college, got a great degree and worked really hard, but I didn't find myself. I wasn't sure of myself. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I was very unsure. And then I kind of went into my work career and I was kind of journeying around from industry to industry and not really finding what I was passionate about or, you know, so then I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I'm like, God, I'm this educated guy that's like never got into trouble, but I just like, I'm not good at anything. Um, and you just start this voice in your head is always there telling you you're not good enough. And I think, that that came from my childhood from not being particularly popular from not being cool not being accepted socially i always had that voice that was telling me you're not good enough hmm. you know you're, you're gonna fail at this you're useless and i let the voice win for many many years and i think sadly i got into you know a group of friends that that i really love and i adore but uh, London social scene can be quite toxic. I think mm. the Engli English uh, culture can be quite toxic. It's very much about teasing, making fun, yeah. but it's all banter. It's just banter. Mm. But occasionally banter kind of, you overstep the mark. And I was probably guilty of it as well in terms of like dishing it out to people because that's 
what I thought I had to do to kind of keep up in a very like masculine dominated social group where everyone was kind of just teasing each other and making fun of each other. So it's very difficult to find yourself when you're surrounded by that. Mm. And I remember that I, I was, I was unsure about what I wanted to do. I was working in this job. I can't remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was working in, in tech or something and I knew it wasn't right. And I decided to announce to my friends that I wanted to try acting because I just thought it felt right. And I kind of, I had that intuition from back then. This was like 2000 or when I was 25. So 2015 or something like that. And, um, and I was, I was really, I would, I don't know if the word is bullied, bullied, but I was teased incessantly. Mm-hmm. Like every single day it was like, Oh, look who it is. It's Andreas the actor. Or, and then I remember at one point I wanted to study music and I wanted to DJ and they used to call me the actor slash DJ. And and I think they were trying to have a bit of fun with it, but it was incessant. It was every single day. Mm. And it got to the stage where I was like, I don't want to hear this anymore. I felt like I felt like I was an embarrassment to my social group that I was doing something that wasn't wasn't the norm. It mm. wasn't banking or finance or finance or real estate or shipping or whatever, <laughs> like these traditional industries that people think you have to be part of. And I was ostracized for it and I was like made fun of because of that intention. And I didn't know there wasn't anyone in the social group. I didn't have like a comparable. I wasn't like, oh, uh, John, our friend, became an actor. Mm. I could become an actor. There was no one. Everyone was doing traditional stuff. So I struggled with that. And, um, and I think the only way that you can have the strength and resilience to, to actually follow your passion and do something you want to do is just by becoming comfortable in your own skin. And I think, to, for me, it took a long time. I mean, I'm talking, it took until I was like 26, 27 to feel confident enough to say, Fuck it, I'm gonna and, and I and it manifested itself in me leaving my job and going to a an electronic music school in London and studying music production. And everyone continued to tease me and I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm doing this because I feel like it's right. And that was actually the first step in me then starting Super Snake. It was like the it was the domino effect. But me what, just entering a different headspace. Was there something that, that yeah. helped you build that confidence? What is like, was it a catalyst effect? Was it a, a specific person? Was it, was it something you read? Was it something you did? I mean, because I've I myself been bullied. I was bullied. Uh, I'm half Swedish, half Indian. So I experienced a lot of racism growing up in Sweden. And uh, I had always good self-confidence, but terrible self-esteem. Terrible self-esteem. Because yeah. I was always told, basically, right. you're not good enough. Go back to your country. What do you mean? I'm Swedish. Um, so this has affected me a yeah, lot, <laughs> and and uh, Look, if you can if you can believe it, I got I got that a lot as well when I was at school. Really? Because because I was Greek because my my dad is Greek and my mom's American. I was always teased for being Greek or being American, and at the time, it was really hard for me to deal with. You know, and and now I look back at it and I was like, why was I feel insulted by that? Yeah. But you know, I would be sitting there in the canteen, and and friends of mine friends at school at boarding school would say stuff like oh your mother your mom's american and all americans are fucking idiots and they're the stupid most stupid people in the in the world and that means like half of you is retarded and then the other half of you is greek and that's like a third world country and like all greeks are like idiots and all you've got is tourism you have no industry and i it's the most stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff ever and, I, and it really affected me at the time because yeah. i was like wait i'm guys i'm like you like i was born in london i was yeah. raised in london i'm english like i'm british I'm also Greek and American. Sure, yeah. I identify with all nationalities that I that I have, but it, I really took offense to it, and 
and like you said, is there like is there a catalyst? Like, no, I think it's just growing up, becoming more comfortable in your own skin. I started doing therapy. I started being able to share like, what I was feeling and talking with people. And I think it was just a constant process. And it's an ever-evolving process. Mm. I'm not done True. by any means. Like, I'm still trying to get better at that. But but honestly, now I, I look, you're always going to get criticized. But I think what I realized, the remedy to, to the critique is success. Because yeah. once you start getting successful, nobody's criticizing you anymore. You get different types of critique, but the same people that told you you're an idiot for thinking about going into acting, the same people now are telling me like, oh, dude, you're killing it. Like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, yeah. whatever. So it's, I, I think you've just got to, you've got to work through the initial stage where you're going to get feedback from people like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. And, and I hope I can inspire people because I came from a background where, you know, acting, music, like any of that stuff was just a taboo like yeah. nobody around me did stuff like that um and if i can be an inspiration to anybody that that feels like they're in that sort of echo chamber and they want to get out of it it's just yeah it's a constantly evolving process you've just got to become very comfortable in yourself and and be able to not necessarily ignore it because it's very difficult to ignore but i think you just need to be so sure in yourself and then i think also if it's if it's a passion that's that's what keeps you going you're like look this makes me happy and I think one, at some stage you just realize the stuff that genuinely makes you happy and, and why wouldn't you prioritize that? You know, yeah. do you want it just because people will accept you more? Do you want to go work in an office job just to appease like your friend group? No. Mm. And I think that's what I always was doing until I realized one day I was like, Andreas, wake, wake the hell up. Like do what you want to do, do what makes you happy. Mm. Um, and I'm there now and I'm, but I'm still working through it because there's trauma. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super happy to to hear that, and thank you for sharing. Um, let's yeah, touch a bit about on your on your Greek heritage. Um, yeah. So, okay, your dad is Greek. Um, yeah. Also, um, I don't know if the viewers knew know, but your your relatives uh, they founded Metaxa Spirits, and yeah. which is I would say by far the most well known uh, Greek spirit in the world. Um, and in Greece, there's a lot of strong family traditions and expectations. And, um, and uh, did, did that, was that prevalent when you grew up that, you know, you were supposed to also become an entrepreneur or was there any, um, any um, guidance on, you know, what you should do or not do um, as a kid? Um... It's a tough one. Uh, surprise, surprisingly, no. I think my, my dad was always very comfortable with me doing whatever I wanted to do. I think he didn't put a lot of pressure on me career-wise. Um, funnily enough, the, the pressure came from my mother, mm. who, <laughs> um, who didn't really have like a business background. But I think she always had this idea of like what she wanted me to become. And so she was very much pushing me towards that. I mean, that's why, I mean, I, for instance, I went to Oxford. Um, and that was kind of pressure from, from my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't think that I belonged somewhere like that, but she was like, you should go there. And I got in and I was like, okay, well, I've got to go now. And then kind of after that, I was like, well, I, I went to this prestigious university. I have to work in a serious industry. So I got a job in finance, hated it. Um, but I think there was always that pressure because of people around me, like all my other friends were in real estate, finance, shipping. Um, and I felt like I had to do something like that, but it was not pressure from my dad. Mm. My dad was put me under different pressure 
but not career-wise. Mm-hmm. He was always very much kind of like, do whatever you want to do. I think he discouraged me from, well, he wanted to discourage me from going into the alcohol business, um, which I didn't really, I kind of ignored. Like I worked, <laughs> I worked most of my career in the alcohol business because I thought that was my destiny. Yeah. I was like, I have this name, I have this background and it's just leverage. Like it's a door opener. Um, and, and it proved true. Like it was a very, it was a great way of networking, meeting people. Um, and I had some, some success working in that industry, but it, it didn't feel completely right. And I think I was doing it to try and replicate my dad's success and my family's success, but it wasn't necessarily what felt naturally right. But yeah, I don't know when I, when you say the family pressure, it's more in different areas like relationships and mm. <laughs> that sort of stuff that I got greek family pressure but not in terms of my career you, you have some fantastic memes where you making fun of the, the the stereotypical greek dad of uh marrying oh, yeah. your cousin basically <laughs> um yeah if, if you guys haven't seen it you need to check it out uh it's, it's super fun yeah. but uh yeah that's so that's literally my that's literally my dad like not not the marrying the cousin part but like marrying i think greeks are very much like especially like old school Greeks are very much about uh, marrying amongst families, like a predetermined yeah. like group of families that they. And I so I, my dad still says to me, like we'll be talking about something completely irrelevant, and he'll say, "Please marry a good Greek girl from a good family. Why are you wasting your time with these models and these women? Find a good Greek girl. He calls them sympathetic. Find a sympathetic Greek girl with a good family, because he dreams of like." You know, socializing yeah. with the with the in-laws of my my fiance or my Greek wife, and like, and that's that's his dream. And um, he does put me under some pressure. It's not it's not extreme pressure by any means. I kind of ignore it. Um, but he would love for me to marry a, a Greek girl from a good family, and um, that's his dream. But I don't know if that's going to come true. How, how often do you go to Greece? I go to Greece um, less so than I used to. Like I used to go through the year a little bit more, but my, I mean, in all honesty, my dad left the country a long time ago and never goes anymore. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't like going to the country. I, I love Greece, but I usually spend the summer there. Mm. Um, and then like other parts of the year, maybe once in a while I go for a birthday or for an event or something, um, but less so than I used to, but definitely the summer, July and August, and sometimes other other parts of the summer, I'm, I'm usually in the Greek islands or somewhere in Greece because nice. I just love being back home and, and kind of reconnecting with, with my roots and, and mm. improving my Greek um, and being with my friends. Mm. I've been going to Mykonos since I was a baby, like every year of my life. And I feel like that's my second home, like mm. after London. So I love to go back there. That's my like happy place. So yeah. Nice. Um, I want to talk, it's, it's a bit of personal and inspiration and um i don't think a lot of people know that you had a battle with cancer and um is this yeah no one knows outside of my personal account yeah yeah is is that something you can share a bit and talk about you know uh the experience and and um how it how it has affected the perspective uh, on life yeah definitely i mean um yeah, so I, I was diagnosed um, 
with uh, testicular cancer in November of 2019. Um, and as you can imagine, it was out of nowhere. Mm. You, you never, you never expect you're going to, you're going to get cancer. Um, let alone me at the age of uh, 28 at the time, um, or 29. I, obviously like never expected that I could get cancer. I mean, I was always thinking maybe like later in life, I was mm. going to go and get my prostate checked and, and because we had some history of that in the family. But anyway, so that kind of hit me in a period of my life where I was traveling a lot and having a good time and, and it just kind of really put the brakes on everything. And I, uh, yeah, it was a really tough time. I mean, finding out was very, tif mm. was very difficult, like hearing the prognosis about how I'd have to do chemo for a long period of time, um, how I'd lose my, my, my testicle. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the doctors started giving me kind of all the worst case scenarios, which they have to do. Um, so I had to go and freeze my sperm. They told me that I may never be able to have kids in a natural way, um, that I may have uh, permanent hearing damage from the chemotherapy. Um, so there was like a lot to handle in a short space of time. It's like, okay, first of all, you're told you've got a tumor. Then you're told you have cancer. Then you're told you have to do chemo. Then you're told you're losing your ball. Then you're told you're, mm. you might never have kids. And it was like all within one week. Um, so that was a really tough period for me. Um, and I really value my friends and my family that helped me get through it. And then, yeah, it was a long journey. And I did a chemo for, for quite a while. I finished in uh, April, 2020. Um, and luckily that, well, unluckily that coincided with COVID starting. So I went from being kind of like isolated, getting chemo for five months or so to then not being able to see anybody for a two month period, at least because I had no immune system. Yeah. Um, I had zero immune system. So the doctors told me if you're exposed to somebody with COVID, it could be very, very, very bad. Mm. Um, so my mom had to make a lot of sacrifices. Like she wasn't allowed to see anybody apart from me because she was the only one that was coming to visit me. Um, I had to like wave at friends from outside the window for months. Wow. And that was difficult because yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't able to socialize before that. Um, so wow. yeah, it was tough. And I, and I think I had never communicated it um, on super snake. Like I never told anyone on the page what I was going through. And I told people on my personal account and I wrote some stuff, which was really therapeutic and helpful. Like, and, and I got a lot of support but it wasn't really widely known. Mm. So when I was getting like criticism throughout that period, um, that was tough because I kind of, I wished I was able to tell them, mm. Hey, like I'm literally like on my deathbed, like getting chemo. Like, you know, it's very difficult for me to try and be funny. Why, why didn't you share that, it? Was there, um, because I, I'm sure. I, you know, I mean, at the, t at the time it was like, I was still doing like the fully anonymous thing and yeah. I didn't really want people to know about me and I was trying to hide all of that stuff. But I think over time, I think the fears, the fears about me doing that were the fears of like becoming well-known. Like I'm really, sh I'm quite shy. Like I don't want to be the person that walks into a party or a, an event and people are like, oh, it's that guy. Like I don't enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I've never really enjoyed like having attention on myself. And that's gen genuine feeling. Like a lot of people want to be famous. They're like, oh, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy in the room. Mm -hmm. And I've never been like that. I'd rather be kind of like the understated guy in the corner that's just like having a good time. Um, so that was the main reason why I wasn't sharing anything. I didn't want to like, I don't want to associate my personal life with my page mm -hmm. for the fear of all, all of that stuff that I uh, described before. But I think, um, over time I just realized like, look, um, life is short. I've got this platform. Um, and I would love to do some stuff, um, 
you know, in terms of raising awareness for testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. and, and I think I, I would like to use my platform to do that and use my platform for good. So that's not, like another reason why I started showing my face and doing my own thing, because if I can start sharing my story and, and doing stuff, that would be very valuable. But yeah, the, the process was really hard. I'm not going to deny it. It was a really, really tough time. It was very difficult. Obviously, like losing my hair was another mm -hmm. thing, which was difficult for me. Like I'd always, I don't know, I'd always like valued my appearance and like looking good. And you know, I had no eyebrows, no hair, no beard. I lost all my hair. I looked like mm. a, I looked like a cancer patient. Mm. So I didn't even uh, in those periods where I wasn't doing chemotherapy, I had no self confidence to kind of go out. Uh, and I don't even mean go go out to to a club. I mean just to mm. go out of the house. Yeah. Um, it was very difficult. My friends really had to kind of like encourage me. Um, but I just I felt like people were staring at me. It wasn't mm -hmm. another one of those things. Like I didn't want to be that guy, but I looked like a cancer patient. It was impossible to hide, even with a hat. I looked um, mm -hmm. I looked very sick, um, and that was tough. And I think during that period, I started to realize like who was who was really there for me and who yeah. wasn't. Um, I had yeah, I had some. There were some great stories, like people that really pulled through for me and really were there for me, and then some people that weren't. Um, and some people that really let me down. And I think that was doubly as hard to deal with when you're mm. in that situation and people are showing their true colors. It's very hard to deal with. But um, I would like to think that it was a positive process, kind of looking back, um, as, as weird as that might sound, I think it was a blessing. And I think it gave me time to kind of reset, do a lot of thinking, um, think about what I really wanted to do in life, what I wanted to achieve, what my mm. uh, you know goals were and my 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 principles and my morals um and i don't know i think since then life has been better um but obviously time heals and yeah. i'm healed and i feel better but there was a very tough time um and yeah well, i'm just glad th thank you so much for sharing and i, I i'm a true believer that things happen for a reason and even even if you're going through a super difficult time it could be you know with yourself or a close uh, relative at the end of the tunnel, you, or maybe, you know, years ahead, you actually understand that, okay, this happened because of this. You know, it made me maybe uh, see things differently. It made me change perspective of life, made me uh, also clear up, you know, some of my friends who were, who I thought were uh, friends. And, and so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a true believer that even though things happen, which at the time is really difficult, there is a uh, a reason for that um so yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that's the that's the only way yeah. uh to to think um i think if you if you play the victim and have that victim mentality it's just not conducive to healing and not conducive to self-improvement so i looked at it as okay this is happening um and not necessarily like why is it happening but what what is this going to teach me mm. you know how am i going to bounce back what am i going to like how am I going to improve myself after? Not not as, not a, like why did this happen to me? And I think that's very important to kind of distinguish the two, um, because a lot of people stay stuck in the victim mentality for the rest of their lives, and they're yeah. like, well, I can't do this because I got cancer and I had I suffered and you know, things always happen to me and like why me and you know and um, I decided to look at it a different way and think, <laughs> okay, how can I be a better version of myself after? Um, Andreas, like you, you I have to say that. Um, you are a true inspiration. I mean, obviously the battle you went through with, with cancer, uh, but also the fact that 
you were bullied as a kid and you have overcome that and taken that negativity and, and transformed it into something positive and you're following your dream and you're following your passion and you're doing so well. And I, it makes me so happy to see that. And also, also this, again, this is what Greek Spire is all about, to uh, hear inspiring stories from, from people with the connection to Greece. Um, I want to ask you. Really appreciate that. Where do you find inspiration? Do you have any uh, any mentors or specific books or even podcasts that you actually listen to that you know inspire you? Yeah, I mean certainly. I mean, I uh, in terms of comedic inspiration, I, I I watch a lot of comedy. I I respect a lot of comedians. Um, I think I mentioned a couple like you know Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais are, are two names that really pop out for me. My my favorite TV show of all time is South Park. <laughs> and I think the South Park creators are, are some of the most genius people on the planet. Um, I love Family Guy. I love stuff. Yeah. So in terms of comedic inspiration, like that's where I find it. And then a lot of old school comedy that I used to watch back in the day, like Trigger Happy TV and Bo Selector. And these are like English shows that I really enjoyed. Harry and Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of, I mean, I, a real focus of mine and a priority of mine now is health and wellness and self-improvement. Um, I became one of those people through cancer that got addicted to like self-help books and self-help podcasts. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of these like optimizer bros that I like to, I used to make fun of and I've become one. Mm. So I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with Joe Rogan. Mm. I love the guests that he brings on the podcast. I think it's genius and I I find it so educational and inspirational. Um, You know, I love people like David Goggins. I love Andrew Huberman. Mm. I love the Diary of a Mm. CEO podcast. It's one of my favorites. I watch it all the time. Um, I like to watch masterclasses. Um, So there's the masterclass.com has a bunch of these like, incredible courses with very successful people in yeah. their own field. So I've watched, um, you know, screenwriting ones, comedy ones, uh, entrepreneurship ones, like Anna Wintour has one, which is fantastic. So it's, I like to, I like to watch a lot of content, mm. a lot of video content that's educational. Like I don't like to get bogged down in cheap thrills on like, I, I like, I don't use TikTok for instance. Mm. And I'm on Instagram usually if, to do super snake stuff, but I, I generally don't use social media outside of that. Mm. My, my, a big passion that I haven't discussed yet because it's not important for the interview is, is football. And I, I love English football and my, and my team Arsenal. So I'm always like on Twitter looking, yeah. at, looking at Arsenal news. But other than that, I like to watch educational stuff um, and self-help stuff. And I, I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube um, and, and I do read, uh, listen to audio books. Um, what 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 are you stuff. currently reading? Um, I'm not reading anything right now, but I'm like listening to some audio books. I'm listening to the um, Jordan Peterson uh, uh, audio book. I'm listening to. Um, I just I finished like three different Tim Ferriss ones. I love Tim Ferriss. Um, and then um, like Joe Dispenza. Um, I like a lot of like the spiritual teachers like. Mm. Um, anything on Buddhism, I've I've read quite a few Buddhism uh, related books. Um, I don't know. It depends. It kind of depends what mindset I'm in. I'm right now. I'm in the mindset of like watching a lot of like inspirational, like entrepreneurship, self help yeah. podcasts. So I I watch Diary of a CEO pretty much every day. Nice. And I watch because um, I like to I like to see people that have been successful in their field and them being kind yeah. of open and candid. And I think it's a great podcast. And I think that's why I've had the the strength and the the willingness to kind of open up with you is because I see if I see like a world famous comedian actor or whatever doing it on on YouTube like why shouldn't I mm. um, and I think it's all just if I and because they've inspired me I hope that 
that hopefully someone will see this and it will inspire them. Mm. So. Andreas, thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure having you on the show. And, and before we leave, um, we have something called Rapid Five. So quick questions, okay. quick answers. Are right, you ready? Sure, the, yeah. The Chistad guy or the Fat Chew? Chistad guy. Next hotspot destination for the traveling circuit? Puerto Escondido, Mexico. Hmm. If you could date any person, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, it would be uh, Cindy Crawford when she was young. <laughs> she's, she's my dream girl. Yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, I mean, I grew, I grew up obviously in the 90s, so I was yeah. secretly obsessed, obsessed with her. Yeah. What's the most expensive thing you've ever bought? Um, the most expensive thing I ever bought was a car. Um, it's actually a funny story. I bought a McLaren and I never actually took the car. But that, <laughs> but that is technically the most expensive thing yeah. I bought. <laughs> what happened with the car? <laughs> well, I bought I, I bought it and I, I specced it out and everything and it was meant to be delivered like let's say three or four months later um and then they sent me an email a month before delivery saying that it was going to be delayed by another five months and so i canceled it because mm. i was so upset okay yeah <laughs> last but one te technically i bought it yeah you point. bought it yeah, yeah the other one would be a, it would be a part it would be a part like another one nice last one i think you already answered this so i'm going to ask you what's the f your favorite second greek island after mykonos obviously Oof. Um, that's a really tough one. Really tough one. I would say right right now because I think it has the right combination of stuff, and I think it's going to be pretty popular in the future. If I mean it's already popular, it's probably Antiparos or Paros, mm. because I feel like you can go there and and you can have a good time. Mm. You know, you you have the natural beauty and the beaches and whatever, but you can go to town. There's restaurants. There's a bit of action and a bit of nightlife, and I think that's important. But if I was going around on a boat and I didn't care about any of that stuff, and I was with a good crew of people, I would probably say somewhere like Kufanisia or Milos or mm. something like that. I love Milos. I would also say yeah. Patmos is really on the rise. If you look with the Patmos with, is stunning. With, yeah, yeah I, within the Greek circuits, that's where they go. I'm gonna go. I'm yeah. gonna go this summer. I went a long time ago as a kid, uh, and I don't remember it very much. But I've been told great things, so I will cool. be going this summer for sure. Maybe I'll see you there. I'm sure we will. Well, Andreas, Super Snake, aka Super Snake, thank you so much for being on Greek Spired, and wish you all the best. It will be super thank interesting you for following your uh, your um, future projects and your your acting. So uh, looking forward to seeing that more. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Thanks a lot for listening to Greek Spired. For more info about our guests and episodes, check out our Instagram page at Greekspired and our website on www.greekspired.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.